Genesis chapter 12. This is God's specific direction to Abraham. This is when God appears to him and lets him know exactly what he wants him to do. Uh, Beginning in verse 1, Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Now, I want you to be, look at that again now and notice how clear God's instructions are to Abraham. Uh, get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Uh, God's direction is clear, and Abraham could not miss and did not miss what he was being instructed to do. Now, I want you to notice Abraham's response there in verse 4. Uh, so Abram departed as the Lord has spoken unto him. Abram responds in complete obedience to what God called him to do. God said, here's what I want you to do. And Abraham did it exactly as he was supposed to. Abraham's faith continues to grow and continues to grow. God is pursuing him lovingly and consistently. And what Abraham heard when he was first in Ur of Chaldees has now been reinforced to him. And what we, what we see as we look at the extent of Abraham's life uh, up to this point is that this is a pattern God has set with him uh, up until the very end of his life. Every time God repeat, restated his purpose, Abraham learned a little bit more about God. And even greater, Abraham's understanding of God's ways increased every time God reappeared to him. And what we have in these verses I just read to you here is what, we, what the Bible students call the Abrahamic covenant. This was God's instruction and God's call and God's agreement with Abraham. God entered into an agreement with Abraham that day as he gave these instructions to him. So our focus this week and also for next week is going to be to consider this call to Abraham Learn how God does that in the lives of those who are his children, how God calls his servants and his children. What I want to do this evening is I want to look at this covenant that God made with Abraham and kind of take it apart. We're going to do that, like I say, this week and also next week. Uh, I want to be clear, we're not considering the theological aspects of this or, or the, uh, the uh, historical aspects of it. We're looking at the practical aspect. What does God want us to learn? What can God teach us through this agreement that he made with Abraham that will help us uh, develop a relationship with him as well? Uh, when Abraham left the Ur of the Chaldees, that did something special in his relationship with God. God set his heart on Abraham, and now Abraham has set his heart in obedience to God. And God saw the obedience of Abraham's heart. God always looks on the heart, and immediately he established a covenant or an agreement with him as a result of that. This is one of the most sensitive and most holy moments revealed by God in all of Scripture. This is the, one of the first times we see God making an agreement with somebody face-to-face like he is And it's fundamental to anybody's walk with the Lord, especially from God's perspective. Our walk with God is not designed to be a walk of vision. That's not how God set it up. We don't don't walk by sight. Paul tells us that clearly in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. Our walk with God is designed to be a walk of revelation. It's a walk where God reveals step by step and day by day the path and the plan he has designed for us. We don't search for God's will until we find it. God reveals his will to us as the time is right and as the next step needs to be taken or the next decision needs to be made. And we are simply to make ourselves ready for that, for his revelation, by staying close to him, by staying in his word, by allowing his spirit to reveal his truth to us and show us who God really is and what he wants to do. So now here in Abraham's life, God opens up his heart to him and reveals to Abraham what is on the heart of God. I can't imagine that, but that's exactly what's going on here. God is now showing Abraham his heart. 
Now, Abraham didn't fully understand it when God presented it to him. There's no doubt, uh, but there was no doubt in Abraham's mind what it was that God, that, that it was God who was doing the revealing. What God also was revealing to him could only be understood by experience. He had to hear it and then do something with it. Abraham simply had to begin one day at a time and one step at a time as God moved him from place to place. And all that God did through Abraham was based on the covenant that God made with him. So as we look at this covenant, we're going to see those elements in this agreement that God made with Abraham that we find all through Scripture. And these elements also find meaning in the life of Jesus Christ as he established a new covenant with mankind when he appeared on the scene. So look at the first aspect of this covenant, the first element of this covenant in verse 1. He says that get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. Now, what is God saying to Abraham? What God is saying is this. You can't stay where you are and go with me. You can't stay in your own country and see the place that I prepared for you at the same time. In other words, what God is saying to Abraham is, Abraham, any place, any country won't do. You've got to go to my country. That's the place where I will mold you and shape you and develop you. My relationship with you, so that you can be my friend, happens where I place you. It is in that place that I will establish and fulfill my covenant with you. It's in the land that I'm going to be that will be revealed, that will be revealed to you by me as like we go through this. So we go back to our first study in this series. God prepared a place for Abraham and for his people in eternity, before time began. And that promise has held true for Israel unto this very day. That war going over on there right now, going on over there right now, is really all about the promise God made to Abraham. Abraham simply placed himself in the position to be the first one to possess it as a promised gift from God. Now, that's important. We need to get a hold of that. If we want to be where God wants us to be, if we want his blessing upon us, please hear me again. Not just any place will do. We don't choose where we want to be and expect God to do his work as we make that choice. God chooses the place that is best for us for us to be used. It's by way of his plan and his will that that happens. Our response must be complete and absolute obedience to what God has called us to and to the place where God has called us. And that refers both to the call he places upon us as well as to the literal place where he wants us to be. As Abraham did, folks, we simply move when God speaks. And we move and move and move as God speaks. As we read through this account, we're not going to read the whole chapter tonight, but as we read through that, you don't find anywhere in that entire chapter where there was discussion or argument on Abraham's part. He didn't respond as Moses did and give reasons and excuses why he couldn't do what God had called him to do. God reveals his plan, and verse 4 says, So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. God spoke, Abraham moved. The faith that God had been seeking was now being lived out in his servant and his friend, Abraham. I remind you, as I will before we're done again, I'll remind you this again before we're done. Uh, Abraham was 75 years old when God revealed this plan to him. What we know is Abraham had a heart that was set to obey God no matter when the call of God came. And to be repetitious, Abraham's response was a heart matter. It started in his heart. When the heart is not prepared, the call of God is missed. And sin is the result because we begin walking outside of God's will. I'm not going to have you turn there, but in Second Corinthians chapter, or Second Chronicles rather, chapter 12 and verse 14, speaking of King Rehoboam, the Bible says, "And he did evil because he prepared not his heart to seek the Lord." Rehoboam did evil because he didn't prepare his heart to seek the Lord. His heart was not prepared, and evil was the result. 
if you know your biblical history, Israel's history, due to Rehoboam's choice, disaster resulted as the kingdom of Israel was divided into two different bodies at that point. Rehoboam's choice was the catalyst that set in motion the other destruction of both kingdoms. So I can't say it enough, folks, and I'm saying it to myself as well. Absolute obedience is essential. Absolute obedience. It's a matter of spiritual life and spiritual death, possibly even physical life and physical death, as we see in the history of Israel. The only way to truly see God work is to be so consistently close to him that he can do nothing without you seeing it. You get so close to him that no matter what he does, you're aware of it. And by the way, and this is just me still hopping on a soapbox that is one of my many. That's why I believe attending every church service is so important. Uh, the one that we miss may be the one where God decides it's the fullness of time and he's going to do some great work among us. But if we're not there, we're going to miss it. So for those who are unlike Abraham, those who have no concern about that, then church is a matter of convenience. But for those who want to see God work and see a work like Abraham saw, staying close to God at all times is essential to their walk, uh, even if it means being in church whenever the doors are open. <laughs> we want to be where God is and where God is moving. Out, and that just doesn't happen just at church. I get that. What I'm saying is, this is one place I know that God works. We need to be here so we can see it happen. Now, the disciples learned the same thing. Uh, Later in the Lord's ministry, uh, they learned they had to be with Jesus Christ to experience God's mighty work. They had to be with him to watch the work happen. They had to be where Jesus Christ was to experience God's presence and God's power. They had to be with him to be shaped by him him for for his use. And that's why when the Lord calls those disciples, what are the two words that he spoke? (laughs) Follow me. Follow me. Stay with me. Just follow me and stick to me. And when he called Peter and Andrew in Mark chapter 1 and verse 17, he specifically says, come ye after me and I will make it to become. There's the process. He says, come after me and then I'll make you. Stay with me and I'll make you. They became what they needed to become as they followed him and stayed in his presence all the time. We've seen it over and over in this study. Their first step to becoming a friend of God is obeying his call to follow him. And that obedience means to follow him whenever he commands, wherever he commands, wherever he leads, wherever he directs us. Follow him. Just stay with him. It is impossible to do God's work and stay in our own land. You can't do God's work, however you think about that. You can't do God's work in whatever sense you might think about it. Uh, we've got to follow God and go where he wants us to go to do his work. That's what Abraham did. And God unfolded his plan before him as a result. Here's been my experience. God can never use us until we're willing for him to move us. God can't use us until we're willing for him to move us. Now, I'm not necessarily speaking of moving across the country or across the world. That's not necessarily what I'm saying. I simply mean God can't use us as he wants to use us until we're willing to move from where we are. Whether that be emotionally, physically, spiritually, whatever that means, uh, we can't be used by God until we're willing to be moved. God can't use us if we simply want to do the same thing in the same way, in the same place, and not move. When God called me to this ministry many years ago, he had to call me out of a place where I'd been all my life. He had to call me out of a ministry that I was enjoying and was producing fruit. And the reason I didn't respond to God's call sooner is because I was comfortable where I was. I liked where I was. I didn't want to leave my country. I didn't want to go to a different one. I was content to be right where I was as far as my ministry was concerned. And I was content being in the same place where I had been for 55 years and where all my family was as well. 
But as Sandy and I talked about it and talked about it, as God presented it to us, it became clearer and clearer to us that God wanted us to leave that country and go to a new one. That's what he wanted us to do. And so together we said yes to that, and we moved forward. We left where we were, went to a place we'd never been before. And many people at that time, and some sins, have made it clear to me, to my face, and to others around me, they didn't believe I was called to do what God called me to do. But I will tell you, folks, I have no doubt in my mind whatsoever that I'm doing exactly what God has called me to do. But I could never have done it had I stayed in my own country. (laughs) I had to leave my country to do it. And if you're being used by God, you did the same thing. If you want to be used by God, you must do that as well. Leave where you are, whatever that means, and move where God wants you to go. So that's the first part. He tells Abraham, move on, let's go. Look at verse 2, and we'll see the second part of this covenant. Look at what it says. And I will make thee. I will make, rather, I will make of thee. In the covenant, God promises to become intimately involved in the life of Abraham. God never promised this in this way to anyone before. The fact that God did this in Abraham's life set an example for what he will do in the life of any person who responds to his call. We respond, and God says, I will make of thee. I'll do the work. Just respond to the call. Any person who places their faith in God's eternal purpose and plan for them has the guarantee of God's intimate involvement in their life. To use an image given to us in other places in God's word, God would be like the potter. Abraham would be the clay molded into exactly what God wanted him to be and to do exactly what God had called him to do to fulfill that plan. What God was saying in this act that he had chosen Abraham to be his friend, he would work in him and through him until the promise that he made to him would be fulfilled. All Abraham needed to do is trust and obey. That's it. And God would do all the rest. I want you to hold your hand there in Genesis if you want to go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. This, what is going on in the life of Abraham reminds me of Paul talks about over in the book of Philippians uh, as God completes his plan in all of us. Now, we've looked at this verse many times in the past, but it's so foundational to doing God's work. I'd like us to see it again tonight, be reminded of it again. Philippians chapter 2, look at verse 13. Seems like a very insignificant verse. Folks, this is foundational to your work for Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Notice God works in his service both to will and to do. And so the process is simply this. God sets his will upon that one that he's chosen. God defines what that work is. That believer then determines to trust and obey God for the work that God has revealed to him. And once that choice is made, God then does that work through that willing servant. What God asked Abraham to do was a monumental task. He was going to build a nation out of one man. And had Abraham seen this as his work to do, I'm sure he would have declined. If God said, Abraham, I want to build a nation and you're going to do it, I think Abraham would have run the other direction. Uh, It was too great a work to do for a man to do by himself. But Abraham learned what we also must learn. It was never Abraham's work. Never. It was God's work done through Abraham. And whatever God calls us to do, no matter how enormous or undoable it may seem to us, it is not our work. It never will be, never has been. God has promised to do his work that he's called us to through us. So God says, here's the work. 
respond by in obedience to the work, and then I'll do the work through you. You're just a vessel that I will use to make that happen. And if we will simply trust and obey, God does the work. And so, what was Abraham? Well, in New Testament terms, he's what Paul talked about in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Uh, Abraham was uh, his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. What he was, he was God's vessel ordained to do good works, and God ordained that work, and then God worked through him to accomplish the work that he ordained him to do. Once the covenant is established, and once Abraham surrenders to God's call, the rest of his life would only be understood when we look at it from God's perspective and God's activity. It could only be understood from the perspective of God working out his purpose in Abraham to make him his friend. That's what it turned out to be, God working through him to make that happen. But that's not just true of Abraham, folks. That is true of anybody who is open to God's encounter. If God called, I should say, when God calls you to the work he set upon you before the foundation of the world, when he encounters you with that work, uh, he will do exactly with you what he did with Abraham if we respond as Abraham did. Here is the one requirement that God places upon all his children who know him and want to be used. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. That's the requirement. If you want to be used by God, if I want to be used by God, that is the place we must start. Because to love God in that way is to love God and give our lives to God unconditionally. Taking our hands off and saying, Lord, it's all yours. It is the dedication of our lives to Jesus Christ and to Jesus Christ alone. And once we do that, that makes us usable. And we are not usable until we do that. Hands off, Lord, it's all yours. It's all yours. That places us in the position of being ready for exactly what he has planned for us before eternity, before time began as we live this thing out uh, since eternity in time. And you'll notice Abraham, when Abraham made that realization, there was no hesitation, no turning back. So Abraham departed. <laughs> he saw what God called him to. He understood the call. And Abraham departed as a result. He went on. He went off to do the work that God called him to. Now, I am sure Abraham didn't understand the plan. I'm sure if God came to you and said, I want to build a nation out of you, you're not going to say, okay, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I see that all, how that all works. I'm sure that's not your response. That also was not Abraham's response. He was probably overwhelmed by that. Again, God comes to you and says, I want to build a nation out of you. That would be a very overwhelming job, but overwhelming responsibility to take on. But Abraham also knew this. He knew that whatever God had planned for him, it was best for him. Whatever God called him to, it was best. And so he would welcome all that God had for him because he knew it would be the best thing for him. Now, let me stop. Is that where you find yourself today? Do you agree with Abraham that whatever God has planned for you, it is the absolute best for you? Even if it means tears and heartache and difficulty, if God has a plan for you, do you still believe that what he has planned for you is best for you? Or are you like Moses? <laughs> do you believe you're unequipped, you aren't equipped for it? That there's someone else better to do it? That you're not the one that should be called? If we feel that way, folks, it's a problem. It is, it is an indication of a love problem. If I say, Lord, I'm not the best choice, what I'm saying is I don't love the Lord with all my heart and all my soul and all my might. Something else has gotten in the way. I love myself. I love the country I'm in. I love something or someone more than I love him. Because a full, 
dedicated love for Jesus Christ is also full dedicated surrender to Jesus Christ. A full dedicated love brings with it automatically, without pain or hesitation, a full automatic surrender to him as well. If I resist his call, if I resist his encounter, I need to identify what I have placed above him in terms of my love. If he calls me to something and I say, well, Lord, I'm just not sure about that, I need to see what it is I've put in the place of my love for him, my wholehearted love for God and for Jesus Christ. And I've got to get that settled before I can ever take the next step in the call that God has placed upon me. Now, God has given us another picture in Scripture of how he molds a life. That being the picture of a newborn baby. Uh, we have a newborn, a new grandson coming into our lives in August. And once that child is born, uh, there is no doubt in my mind that my daughter and my son-in-law are going to take great joy in taking every effort to mold and shape that child's life so he can reach his, reach his maximum potential. There's nothing quite like holding a newborn baby for the first time. But once the birth occurs, the growth begins. Once the birth occurs, in fact, prior to the, the actual birth, the growth has already started. When we were born into the family of God, we were born into good hands. Because we're in his hands, uh, we know that everything that he brings into our lives is what I need to grow and to mature and develop the new life that he's given to me. What we also know is that the spiritual journey from birth to spiritual maturity is full of challenges and full of dangers. The successes are easy. I love the successes. They're fantastic. But spiritual growth only occurs when I learn how to work through the failures. When I learn how to work through the challenges. Once we're saved, the world presses you to go one way, and now God's pressing you to go a different way, uh, the right way. And so from the moment of salvation, there are challenges presented to us that would interfere with our spiritual growth if we let them. And the words that provide the greatest source of strength and comfort and assurance as we face life's challenges is back to Genesis chapter 12, where God says, And I will make of thee. (laughs) The challenge may be there. It may be a difficult time. It may be a struggle for you. I will make of thee. In spite of the challenges, in spite of the difficulty, I'm going to do something with you. Something great. And so we rely upon those words and we handle the process that makes us God's friend as a result of that. When parents do their job right, children grow to be productive and responsible and live with integrity. Now, if weak, sinful parents are able to facilitate growth, the growth process in children like that, how much more is our Heavenly Father able to help us become exactly what He's designed for us to become and what He's called us to be out of His perfect love for us? Infinitely greater, infinitely greater, much, much more. And so that's the picture we see, God taking us and molding us and making us what He wants us to be as He calls us from our country to the place where He wants us to be. All right. Let's look at the third part. We're not going to get through it tonight. We'll get started on it and continue on next week. Look at verse 2 again. I will make of thee, look at the words, a great nation. God says, I'm going to make of thee a, not just a nation, a great nation. I want to have you think back to Genesis chapter 1. Because in Genesis chapter 1, we are given repeatedly in that chapter uh, a God's process of creation. And here's what we hear over and over and over in that passage. God spoke, and it was good. God spoke, and it was good. Every time you read down through that thing, God spoke, 
and something good happened. Here he is now speaking to Abraham. That's a pattern established in Genesis chapter 1. It follows through the entire word of God. He's speaking to Abraham now. He's making an amazing promise to Abraham. God is going to create a great nation through Abraham. That is something only God could do. But because he's God, he can do it. And this confirms something else to us about God, what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. I love this verse. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Paul did the best he could to get that thing as far up as he possibly could, and it's still not enough. (laughs) Exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. So if God's people and the world at large would come to know God, He's going to to do such great things in their midst that all who observe those things would know that only God could do it. Only God did them, and they have to come to learn the nature of God and see him at work in their midst as a result. So God speaks, and good things happen. And as those good things happen, people around who watch those mighty works occur begin to realize something's going on here. God's in our midst. God's here. God's doing a work. And God's love for his creation is so great that he would do what it was impossible for mankind to do. He would do that work through one who would enter into the most intimate relationship with him that was possible for mankind. And so here's this man, Abraham. His belief in God, his belief in the promises of God would endear him to God as a result. God is always honored and God is always honored and an intimacy with God always develops when we believe his God-sized promises and obey what he tells us to do. God makes some big promises. You know that? God makes some fantastic promises. Again, here he's telling Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation. That's a huge promise. God is honored. And an intimacy develops when we simply say, okay, Lord, if you promise it, we'll go with it. (laughs) We're not going to question it. Jesus Christ made this clear in the book of John. I turn to John chapter 14, if you would. Jesus Christ identifies the connection that's established with God When a person responds with faith and obedience to what seems impossible from a human standpoint. And I'm going to tell you something. Most of the time when God presents a work to you, it seems impossible. It doesn't seem anywhere near that you're going to be able to do it. And God likes when you respond to it anyway. John chapter 14, look at verse 12. John chapter 14, verse 12. Jesus Christ says this. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, watch now, folks, The works that I do, shall he do also. (laughs) The works that Jesus Christ does, you can do as well. And then look at the next next phrase. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, I can't explain that whole verse to you. It would take a, a, a number of weeks for us to do it. All I want you to see is, if you believe on Jesus Christ, you'll do the same works he does, and in fact, you'll do greater works than he does. Because you see, he's going to be working through you to make those works happen. God is glorified by our simple faith in what he has prepared us to do, he's purposed to do through us. God is honored by that. God is glorified by that. Go to chapter 15 of the book of John. John chapter 15, look at verse 7. John chapter 15, verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Drop down to verse 14. He says, ye are my friends 
if you do whatsoever I command you. Folks, here's what God's promising. God is promising to do great works through you. God is promising to come close to you. God is promising to be glorified through you. And God is promising to do a work that nobody else could ever possibly do if you'll simply submit yourself to him. I don't know any believer who would not want that to happen, what Jesus Christ is promising here. He has given you us a path whereby the God of the universe can be glorified through us and the God of the universe will call us his friend. And there's the path to it right there. It's attainable to anybody who wants it. Now, I know there are some believers where these things don't matter. Uh, They're so caught up in themselves. They're so caught up in their own priorities that having those things occur in their lives is really not that important to them. But regardless, glorifying God and having having him call us his friend should be at the top of every believer's list of priorities. (laughs) That should be what you want above everything else in life. And the exciting part of that is, God wants that more than you do. God wants that more than we do. And so he has established a way for us to achieve both those things. We do his work, we allow him to work through us, and he is glorified as we produce fruit, that he has worked through us to produce through us. Now, God speaks to Abraham, and God gives Abraham a promise. And there are two parts of this promise, or two things behind this promise, that required a significant amount of faith on Abraham's part. What are those two things? Number one, Abraham didn't have any children. (laughs) He had no kids when when God talked to him. I'm going to make a great nation out of you, and you don't have one child to show for it. And number two, Abraham is 75 years old when God makes the promise to him. Now, for many believers, that would derail us immediately. That, That would put us into the mindset we must have heard God wrong. He must have chosen the wrong person. He must have been talking to the person behind us. I thought he was talking to me. We make some, uh, we, somehow we, we realize this, this just couldn't be about us. Uh, these are things that only God could resolve, and therefore it took a great amount of faith, a significant amount of faith on Abraham's part to allow God to do these things through him. Now, for many believers, like I say, they're not going to allow God to do it. They're just going to say, he must be talking to somebody else. What did Abraham do? Abraham knew that God had spoken. Abraham knew that God was the one who said it, gave, gave this promise. And because of that, Abraham knew that whatever God had said would be accomplished just as he said that it would. He had that kind of faith in God. In Abraham's mind, it was impossible for God to speak and not accomplish whatever it is is that he promised, just as he promised it. Now, Abraham has no idea how God's going to do it. That was not a concern to Abraham. We get all pulled into that stuff. That didn't concern Abraham in the least. God had spoken, and now it was up to God to figure out a way how to make it all come to pass. And how he did it would shape Abraham's faith in God immensely. I want to have you turn to one more passage of scripture before we wrap up tonight. Go to the book of Isaiah, if you would. But I want to repeat that to you as you're turning there, folks. In Abraham's mind, God could not speak and not fulfill the promise. If God made a promise, God would fulfill it. It wasn't up to Abraham to fulfill that promise or to find a way to make it happen. God spoke. He was just a willing vessel to allow that thing to occur. And the promise uh, and the accomplishment of all that was God's way of showing Abraham what he told Isaiah later in Isaiah chapter 55. Go to Isaiah 55. Familiar verses to you, I'm sure, but I want to reinforce these as we close tonight. Isaiah chapter 55, look at verse 8. What Abraham realized as he went through this process with God is he realized, verse 8 of Isaiah 55, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, 
So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And what Sabaka reads in that is this. What a useless effort it is for me to try to figure out what God's doing with me. <laughs> what a crazy thought that is. Somehow I'm going to figure out the process that God has for me and the plan that he has for me. Those words that he spoke to Abraham would be established in to Isaiah rather would be established in Abraham's life all along the way as God completed his promise through him. I'm sure that whether although Abraham didn't have these words yet, I'm sure in his mind he was saying, This God is amazing. This God is more than I can ever conceive of. This God is more than I can ever comprehend. He made this crazy promise to me, and look how it's coming to pass, just like he said it would. <laughs> and as we close tonight. I want to say this to you. The reason why God can't do in my life always what he wants to do is because I think that I have to understand the plan and have all the details worked out before I pursue it. And I derail myself every time when I make that choice. I believe that every person in this room will do all that God has called us to do when we finally come to terms with the fact that his ways are not our ways, his thoughts are not our thoughts, and never will be. What a crazy thought it was for God to move us to a building and three years later to move us to another building. (laughs) My ways aren't God's ways. My thoughts aren't God's thoughts. I don't understand any of that. All I know is God's will was accomplished. See, we've got to stay out of the way. We've got to stop trying to understand. We try too hard to understand what God's trying to do. Just stop trying to understand it and just trust and obey. What's the song say? Trust and obey for there's no other way. To be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. That is exactly what Abraham did, and God used him mightily. And if we'll take that same path, he'll use us greatly as well. That's what he'll do. Stand if you would.